0: May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please sit down. First of all, thank you very much for your welcome, Alan. It's good to be here. As he briefly explained, Jan, the Archdeacon of Norwich, is um, helping the Archbishop of Canterbury out. And um, so they've wheeled out the oldens to do something while she's away, just to make sure that she doesn't get too far behind on her visitations and everything. But it's a great joy to be here and to be worshiping with you this morning. I always feel that it's a great joy when Sunday is used to celebrate a feast day in the church year, because it gives a special opportunity to focus on an aspect of our faith which comes only once every seven years, or maybe it's six, I can't, I don't know. You know what I mean anyway. And today, as you've gathered, we celebrate all saints. And think of that cloud of witnesses, as the letters of the Hebrews puts it, who've gone before us, who by faith have witnessed to the love of God and rejoice in them. And it's a wonderful feast day when our vision of the church is broadened and we join with the whole company of heaven to sing the praises of our Lord. It is, I'm afraid, a sad fact that our vision of the church is often limited to that within our own experience, and in some cases even narrower than that. In confirmation preparation over the years, I've always included a session on the church and begun by asking people to write down what they mean by the church. I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to do that this morning. But very often, the main response would be a building in which God is worshipped. And even if we began to talk about people denominational interests would narrow the vision and hardly ever did the eternal dimension of the church come to the fore. During baptism preparation I've always talked about becoming a member of the church family. Often that was interpreted as just the church family at the local church. Less often the whole Christian family, hardly ever the whole Christian family throughout all ages. And I suppose all of this is because the eternal dimension is very difficult for us to conceive. It's beyond our experience and therefore doesn't easily come to mind. In the parish where I served as a curate many moons ago now, we used to have an early morning communion service on saints' days at 7 o'clock in the morning. Now, as you would expect, it was often the curate who used to preside at these. There was a young girl who used to act as server for those services. And on one occasion, it was just myself and her and I could sense that she was not exactly full of enthusiasm. And I must confess, neither was I. It was in the winter, and it was freezing cold. Anyway, she plucked up the courage to ask whether there was much point in just two of us going through the motions. Somehow, without even thinking, I said, Oh, it's never just two of us. Or whenever we worship, we're joined by the whole company of heaven. For both of us, the service which followed was a marvellous experience, one of those special moments in one's life. We really did feel part of that great cloud of witnesses that had gone before. And of course, we were. We are, here this morning, linked within the body of Christ throughout all ages. It is a marvellous thought that we are linked with the great men and women of faith who have gone before us. I remember a priest friend of mine once saying that for him, perhaps rather controversially for some... The saints were his friends. They prayed for him and he would pray for them. Another wonderful thought. And of course they are our friends, our brothers and sisters who've been on the same pilgrimage as us with eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. They are our friends. And as the New Testament reading set for today from the letter to the Ephesians suggests we didn't hear that this morning but never mind we too are called to be saints marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit holy set apart for God and actually that's what the word saint means we are called to be holy In baptism, as the mark of the cross on our forehead suggests, we are set apart for God's use, branded with the sign of his people. We are called to be saints. As in that reading from the letter to the Ephesians and in the New Testament as a whole, saints is the name given to Christians in general, people who point us to Christ, chosen by God to be his people. We are saints, chosen by God to be his people, but of course never by virtue of our own strengths and qualities. Saints we may be, but most of us would admit to being less than saintly. I can't see too many halos in the congregation today. So what makes somebody saintly? How do we become saints and rise to the challenge of being the body of Christ in these testing times? I would like to share with you some words that have meant a great deal to me over the years. They're from a sermon by Archbishop Michael Ramsey, preached at All Saints Tide in 1973. Because for me, it is the best in definition of a saint in the sense of what it means to be saintly that I know. You'll have to excuse the non-inclusive language. What are saints like? How do we characterize them? It's not by being virtuous that makes us a saint. The Pharisees were very virtuous, and they and their virtues needed conversion. It's not doing good in the world that makes a saint. He does often do good, but so do many people whom we would never call saints. It's not success in the practice of religion which makes a saint. I expect you and I are pretty religious, but our religion, like every other part of us, needs converting. No. The saint is one who has a strange nearness to God and makes God near and real to other people. He embodies the parable of the corn of wheat that falls into the earth and dies. His virtues do not make him proud for he is reaching out to perfection far beyond them and is humbled by this quest. His sins and failings, which may be many and bitter, do not cast him down for the divine forgiveness humbles him and humbles him again. He shares And bears the griefs of his fellows and he feels the world's pains with heightened sensitivity. But with that sensitivity he has an inner serenity of an unearthly kind which brings peace and healing to other people. This strange blending of humility, sorrow and joy is the mark of the saint. And through him God is real and near. How varied are the saints. There are some of them whose lives are without actual poverty or physical suffering. But the cross marks them. And the cross is in their hearts and their minds rather than their bodies. And there are some of them who know grievous sickness and weakness of body. And there is in them, in a way that is at once lovely and frightening, a patience, a courage, a love, a strength people of whom the world is not worthy. They reflect Jesus in the world. They answer the question mark of the bewildered who ask, where is the clue? What is the goal? What is the world for? They show us what we are here for. They reflect Jesus in the world, they show us what we are here for. I think that it's probably true to say that every human being, whether religious or irreligious, can recognize a saintly person, even if they don't call them saints. You no doubt will have people that you know who fit that bill. Not necessarily famous people, but people who are transparently holy people. They will be people who do not flaunt their own strengths and qualities, but who have have humbly surrendered them to God. They will be humble people who show deep concern about the welfare of others and seem to show little regard for their own well-being and they won't see themselves as being holy or saintly. In fact, they'll be only too aware of their own shortcomings and will never be judgmental of others, but will see the best in them. They will freely admit that any goodness they have is there as a gift from God. And recognising their own shortcomings be filled with joy in the knowledge that despite of all of those shortcomings, they are forgiven, loved, and accepted by God. They will really be people who live the Beatitudes that we heard this morning in the Gospel reading from St. Luke's Gospel, his version of the Sermon on the Mount. And do go home and read those again. In shorthand, really, they will be Christ-like people. And I suppose that's hardly surprising since we hear Jesus as being the Holy One of God. God intends us to be holy. His saints conform to his image and thank goodness it's not something that we achieve of ourselves, but is the work of God's grace. Holiness is Christlikeness, which the Spirit affects in us, changing us from one degree of glory to another, as St. Paul puts it. And the essential mark of holiness is love. There are many things. ...that deflect us from the path of holiness, from being saintly. We're not likely to be stoned or sworn in two for our faith, as early Christians were. But we are very likely to be seduced by things like self-preservation... ...self-indulgence, self-glorification... ...and all the other selves which cling so closely... So in this All Saints Tide, when we give thanks for and rejoice in the fellowship of those holy ones who've gone before us and shown us the way, what about us? What do we learn? We are here as God's saints for nothing other than to reflect Jesus in the world. He is our benchmark. An impossible task in our own strength but perfectly possible in His. Our prayer must be not just once but day by day, year by year that we will become more and more like Him. People who make God near and real to other people to use Michael Ramsey's words and of course if we can be that then the mission of the church which is so close to our hearts cannot but be a huge success Heavenly Father remember what you have made us to be and not what we deserve And as you have called us to your service, make us worthy of our calling. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.